Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Church. I am so excited you are here today. You're tuned in. Welcome studio audience. So excited that you're here today and I, I'm pumped because I get to kick off a brand new series with you today and it's called Public Service Announcement. Hey listen, we've got some things we want to make sure that you know and so today's message is Public Service Announcement and here's your announcement. Prayer is your weapon. Prayer is your weapon. But listen, before we dive into this message today, I just need to ask you to help me out. And we do this every single Sunday, so this shouldn't be new to you. I want you to pull out your cell phones right now. If you are at a watch party or if you are at home by yourself, pull out your cell phone and share this service on Facebook. Subscribe to our service on YouTube. Hey, all this does is it helps us get the word out. And if you love the movement, church, which I know you do, you want to help us get the word out today and share this message because you never know who might tune in, who needs the word that is going to be shared today. And you know, we we just finished up our, our first week of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I don't know about you, but I just sense that God is up to something big. And I hope you've joined us on the journey. And if you haven't, it's not too late to jump in. There's still 14 more days. So jump in, pray with us, commit to spending 30 minutes a day doing step reading, praying with us over the prayer points that we're sharing with you and and fast something, give something up and say, I'm gonna fix my attention during this time on what God wants to speak to me because I believe he's got something great in store for you. But right now, why don't we do this? Why don't we take a moment and pray and kick off today's message? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord Jesus, I just thank you for every person who is tuned in online today. God, I know it's not by accident that they're here. So God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would open up every one of our hearts to receive the message that you have for us. God, I thank you, Lord, that you still speak to us. And God, we want to hear your voice. We need you more than ever. So God, I thank you for what you're going to do in our midst today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, listen, your public service announcement for today is that prayer is your weapon. You know, I don't know if you guys have ever seen uh, the new movie, Jumanji, you know, with The Rock. I mean, this is one of my daughter's favorite movies. (laughs) She's slightly obsessed. But I love Jumanji because uh, there's this whole scene that takes place where the main characters, they get sucked into a video game. And they show up and they're in different bodies and they have different characters and they're trying to figure everything out. And then suddenly a, a square box flashes above their head and it tells them who they are, it tells them what their weaknesses are, and it tells them what their weapon of choice is. So we meet people like Dr. Lovestone, whose weapon of choice happens to be 
the smolder, right? I don't even think I can do it that well. And then we've got, we've got Ruby Roundhouse and her weapon of choice is the dance fighting. And, and it's just an entertaining movie, but I just was thinking about you and I as Christ followers. You know, if there was a box that was to show up above our heads, you know what your name is. You probably could identify what some of your weaknesses are. But I'm here to tell you today that prayer is your weapon. Prayer is your weapon. And I wanna talk to you about a man in the Bible who understood the power of prayer. And he lived in a culture that is very much like ours, but he refused to become like it. And this man, his name is Daniel. So if you're following along in your Bible or listen, follow along in the app. We've got notes for you and you can follow along and take notes with this service. But this man named Daniel, we find his story taking place in the book of Daniel, chapter one, and that's where we're gonna pick up today. And you know, in about 600 BC, Babylon had just taken over Jerusalem as part of their great expansion plan. And many who lived in Jerusalem had now been taken captive and exiled to Babylon. Now the interesting thing about these two cities in the Bible is that Babylon and Jerusalem, they represent two contrasting kingdoms in which men and women belong. And we see these two contrasting kingdoms throughout all of history, the kingdom of destruction and the kingdom of God. Babylon would represent the kingdom of destruction. Jerusalem would represent the kingdom of God. And we see this taking place throughout history. And the question I have for you today is, am I living for the kingdom of God and according to its code of conduct, I can't speak, according to its code of conduct, or am I living according to the bylaws of the kingdom of destruction? Hmm. It's a big question I know to ask you today, but I wanna dive in and explore a little bit about this man named Daniel and this city where he was exiled to, Babylon, and I'm hoping that you're gonna catch on into how this relates to you and me and the choices that we have to make today. You know, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17 says this, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride and possessions is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. You see, here we have this tale of two kingdoms, Babylon and Jerusalem, and the people of the kingdom of God have been exiled into this foreign culture. They've been taken captive into Babylon. Now, when we think about being taken captive, oftentimes I think of captivity looking like dungeons and chains and darkness and slavery, but this was a little bit of a different kind of captivity. This is what I'd like to refer to as friendly captivity. You see, Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon at that time, he had a strategy that is very much like the enemy's strategy today. He brought the people of Israel from the kingdom of God into a foreign land. And do you know what he did? He removed their places of worship. 
Hello, COVID-19. Just saying. He distracted them with new and fun leisures and rituals of a culture that was not their own. He allowed them this illusion of freedom when really they were just captive. He indoctrinated them with culture and values that were not their own. This was Nebuchadnezzar's strategy, and I don't know about you, Movement Church, but it's sounding a little too familiar. The scripture picks up again in Daniel chapter 1, verse 3 through 7, and it says, The king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but they were good-looking, gifted in wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, men who had the ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of the time they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. And to them, the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. Maybe you're recognizing some of these characters that have entered the scene. You see, Nebuchadnezzar had this strategy to take some of the young men some of the influencers, some of the leaders of that time into Jerusalem and to bring them into the palace in Babylon and to isolate them from everything that they knew, to isolate them from other believers, to indoctrinate them with the values and the culture of Babylon, to cause them to compromise in their own values and their beliefs and to confuse them by changing their names and causing them to question their identity. This was Nebuchadnezzar's strategy. You see, he knew that a militant approach would not work because the people of Jerusalem were great in number and a militant approach might mean that they would catch on to what was happening and rise up against him. But no, a more subtle approach was necessary. A more subtle approach was necessary. His goal was to isolate them from other believers. Again, can we just pause and evaluate the season of time that we are living in right now in 2020 when everything around us has pressed pause? Now listen, I don't think that the enemy caused COVID-19, but I sure do think he's working it to his advantage to be isolated from other believers, left to my own devices and my own opinions, left to my own ideas, not challenged by believers around me anymore. I'm left to arrive at my own conclusions and then to indoctrinate them into the language and the culture of the Chaldeans. How much pressure have you felt lately to conform to the patterns of this world, to the language and the culture and the the drama that is happening all around us. His goal was to cause them to compromise their standards and their values by enticing them with all the good things that Babylon had to offer. Food from the king's table, wine from the king's table, the comfort of the palace. This was Nebuchadnezzar's strategy and I think this is the strategy of the enemy today. His goal was to confuse them by changing their names and causing them to question their identity and I just wonder, 
How many of you during this season of COVID-19 have started to question your calling? The thing that God spoke to you years ago, the calling that God has on your life, how many of you have begun to question your calling during this season of COVID-19? Might it be that it's a strategy of the enemy to confuse you? I just think there's so much in common here. You see, this is friendly captivity, and you and I are threatened by this today. But you see, this man named Daniel, he had this deep-rooted understanding and conviction that nothing is ever accidental or incidental in the lives of the people of God. And so this, this incident that we see, it illustrates for us an important principle. The way we think about God, about ourselves, about others, about this world that we live in determines the way that we live. And if Nebuchadnezzar could only change these men to think like Babylonians, then they would live like Babylonians. And conversely, as long as they thought of themselves as the Lord's, they would live as his servants, even in Babylon. And that principle is still true today. The secret of faithfully living for God today lies in the way that you think. And we find this in Romans chapter 12, verse two, when it says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you might discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Listen, I just wanna challenge you today, Movement Church, we need to be up and awake to what God is doing in this moment. This moment in history that God chose to place you on the planet here in 2020. He's not surprised by all that's going on in our world. God's not surprised he placed you here in the middle of it. But my question is, will you choose to live like the kingdom of destruction or or will you choose to live in the kingdom of God? We cannot be conformed to the patterns of this world. We have to choose to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So let's talk about what Daniel did. Three things that we can learn from the life of Daniel. Number one is this, Daniel was captive, but he was not captivated. Daniel was captive, but he was not captivated. Listen, he was captive in Babylon, but he was not captivated by Babylon. His heart was captivated by God. Daniel chapter one, verse eight says this, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. See, Daniel, he made this ridiculous request. Here they were presented in the palace with all of these delicacies, the wine from the king's table, but it went against every one of the values that Daniel had. 
It was countercultural for him. And rather than just following along with the crowd and keeping things easy and not rocking the boat, Daniel decided that he was going to present a different idea to the eunuch, to the leader who was over him. And he didn't do this belligerently. He didn't yell and scream and fight like so many of us are guilty of doing today. I know I am. I get pretty ticked off when things are not going my way or when I feel like I need to take a stand for something. But Daniel, he didn't do that. He was wise in his approach and he appealed to the leader and he said, would you be willing to take me and three of my friends and instead of feeding us the delicacies from the king's table and his wine, just give us fruit and vegetables. And the, the eunuch was like, no, the king will have my head. And Daniel just appealed and said, could you give us 10 days? Because Daniel knew that God would pull through for him. He said, could you give us 10 days and just see if we are not healthier in mind and in body than any of these other young men? See, Daniel had to make a decision to stick to his convictions. He and his friends were under intense pressure to conform. (laughs) What harm could it actually be to eat the food from the king's table, to drink his wine? What harm could it actually do? But it just went against everything that Daniel knew to be right. So he took a stand. He took a stand. His heart was not captivated by the things of Babylon. His heart was captivated by God. He chose not to conform to the alluring pool of leisure and comfort in the palace, but rather to say, no, I'm going to stand up for what I know is right. This is who Daniel was. The second lesson we can learn from the life of Daniel is that consistency is crucial. Consistency is crucial. We find in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, Daniel always, somebody say always, always. somebody type always, always. <laughs> Daniel always prayed to God three times every day, three times every day he bowed down on his knees and prayed and praised God. See, the Bible doesn't give us a a detailed play-by-play of every single thing that happened in Daniel's life and his service to the king, but it does tell us that Daniel was set apart. It tells us that he was favored. It tells us that he was considered one of the wisest in the land. And in chapter six, he was about to be appointed as the ruler of the land because he'd earned this place of influence. So we, we see here Daniel who has this life of consistency modeled in prayer, he's earned this position of influence and the Bible tells us right here that consistency is crucial. Daniel knew what it looked like to have a consistent prayer life. Have you ever had a friend that you just know them so well that you can finish one another's sentences? (laughs) Uh, All I wanna do right now is sing the song from Frozen. I'm gonna avoid that. (laughs) Maybe you have a spouse and, and you just, When you talk with them, you can just say one word statements and they know exactly what you're talking about. I know for Pastor Kerry and I, there are some times that I can just look at him and he'll nod his head and go, yeah, like I know what you're saying to me right now through that look. And I just think those are are real people that are close to us in our life. Can you imagine if Pastor Kerry and I never again spoke to one another? That would be an awful existence. That would be a terrible marriage. Can you imagine if all I ever did when I talked to Pastor Kerry was to ask him for things? Yes, I and can. every time he said, <laughs> <laughs> every-
every time he said yes, I'd be happy, and every time he said no, I'd be mad? Wow. Can you imagine if that was my relationship with Pastor Kerry? You see, Daniel got down on his knees three times every day to pray to God. Prayer is communication. It's communion with God. It is like having a relationship in your life with someone that you're close to. That is what prayer is. Daniel was consistent in his communication with God. And some of you are thinking, I don't even know how to pray at all, much less three times a day. Some of you are like, I can pray over my food. Good God, good meat, good friends, let's eat. <laughs> I know some of you are questioning, how do I even begin this process in my life? But Daniel modeled this so well for us. It says he got on his knees. Now you don't have to get down on your knees to pray, but what this does is it creates this posture of humility. This position that I come before God saying, I don't know. I don't have it all figured out. God, I need you. He had this consistency and praise which said, God, you're good. Yeah. I'm thankful for you. I'm grateful for you. He had a consistency in prayer which was presenting his requests before God. You know, in the New Testament, Jesus actually tells us how to pray. Yeah. He models it for us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13, and it says this. Pray like this then. Our Father in heaven. So we're, we're talking to God. We're saying, this is who I'm talking to. It says, Hallowed be your name. What that just means is holy is your name. God, you're good. I'm going to take a minute and praise you for who you are. Yeah. This is a model for prayer that any of us can follow. Yeah. I'm going to take a minute and tell God you are so good. Yeah. You're so faithful. Thank you for helping me breathe today. Thank yeah. you for letting yeah. me live today, right? Yeah. We can praise God for something. And then it says this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is where I begin to pray and present requests to God, but I say, God, not my will, but your will be done. I don't need you to tell me yes to be happy and no and I'll be mad. God, I trust you with my life. I trust you with my future. I trust you with my children. I trust you with my marriage. God, your will be done. And give us this day our daily bread. Hey, God, these are the things I need. And forgive us our debts as we forgive others and deliver us from evil. Keep us from making the wrong decisions. Help us stay on a path of righteousness. This is a model for how we can pray. And Daniel had this crucial consistency, spending time every day praying and talking with God. And it set him up to experience favor and wisdom in the midst of incredibly challenging situations. Yeah. If you read the book of Daniel, you're gonna see some crazy crisis averted. You're gonna see some challenging moments, but Daniel was able to be set apart and highly favored in the middle of those challenging yep, situations yep. because he had a crucial consistency in his life and it was the consistency of prayer and seeking God. Yeah. Proverbs 3, three through four says, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablets of your heart. So then you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. See, Daniel had this down. The faithfulness part. That's another word for consistency. It's just saying, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna spend time in prayer. I'm gonna spend time in communication with God day in and day out because I know He wants to speak to me. And I wanna to speak to Him. 
It's this relationship that you're able to have with God because of Jesus. And I just wanna ask you a question. What is your prayer life like right now? That's not to bring condemnation or shame, I'm just maybe challenging you. Maybe you should join us on this next 14 days as we're going through 21 days of prayer. Start somewhere. Develop a habit of consistency in your life. The final thing that we learn from the life of Daniel is that prayer prepares and protects. Prayer prepares and protects. See, Daniel's consistency in his relationship with God, it prepared him for every obstacle that he would face. And prayer doesn't necessarily prevent problems, but it can predict them. You see, we need insight right now for the future. I don't know about you, but I am so over this pandemic. But we need insight for the future. I found myself a few weeks back praying and asking God, God, what do I need to prepare for? What is coming my way? And honestly, I felt like God said, there's gonna be another shutdown before we come back. And I was like, I don't like that answer, God. (laughs) I was kind of frustrated about it. And sure enough, last week, as the schools were preparing to go back, Governor Newsom says, Orange County, you're not going back to school until you're off the watch list. And I was like, what? And I was frustrated because I want my kids to go to school. Don't you? (laughs) But I felt like God had prepared me for what was to come. So even though I didn't like the answer, there's a peace in being prepared. Prayer reminds me that God is present. That he won't leave me. He won't forsake me. Isaiah says, when I walk through the waters, I will not drown. Through the fire, I will not be burned. I'm reminded as I spend time in prayer that God is with me. No matter how overwhelmed I feel, no matter how tired I feel, no matter how many questions I have, no matter how big the problem is that I'm facing, God is with me. Prayer reminds us that God is present and prayer protects. See, the enemies of Daniel, they wanted to take him out, so they went after his prayer life. They had the king sign an edict that whoever prayed to anyone but the king would be thrown in the lion's den. They knew that Daniel wouldn't compromise his convictions. He'd showed them that for a long time. And David said, Daniel, keep calling him David. Daniel set about his prayer time like he always did pursuing God. God, I need you. I need to know what the future holds. I'm facing some pretty big obstacles and I don't know what to do. God, would you protect me from my enemies, from the things that are up against me? And do you know what they did? They took Daniel and they threw him in the lion's den. You know, I just wonder if the enemy isn't having a heyday right now during COVID-19, just doing whatever he can do to keep believers from a consistent prayer life. And here Daniel is and he's got a consistent prayer life and he's thrown in the lion's den. And that might be as bad as it gets you guys but he did not fear he trusted in the reputation and the faithfulness of God and God shut the mouth of the lions listen to me friends what lions are you facing today what is threatening 
to take you out? Is it the lies that are going on in your own mind that are threatening to remove your calling? They're causing you to question what God says about you? What is threatening to take you out right now? What are the lions in your life right now? Listen to me, prayer prepares and protects. God's got you. God's got you. He will shut the mouth of the lions. He is faithful. He was faithful then. He'll be faithful now. That is the nature of who God is. And listen to me, prayer is the strategy of heaven. It's your weapon of warfare. This is how you fight back. So don't let your heart be captivated by anything but a relationship with Jesus. Get consistent in your prayer life. It changes things. Trust that God is with you in the middle of what feels like the lion's den. And a new day will come and the stone will be rolled away And I'm telling you, God will shut the mouth of the lions on your behalf, just as he did for Daniel. He's got you. He's fighting for you. And prayer is your weapon of choice. You know, maybe you're tuned in today and you don't really know where you stand with God. Maybe you've been questioning your faith. And maybe today you just feel a tug on your heart that says, I I need something more. When I talk about a relationship with God, communication with God, you go, I want that. And I'm telling you that, that God made that possible for you and me when he sent his son, Jesus. And all we have to do to start a relationship with God is just to believe that he's real, that he loves you, that he chose you, that he has good plans for you, and start this journey of faith. And maybe you're tuned in and you've never made that decision before. Maybe you've made that decision, but you've been running from God and it's time to come back. I'd like to pray a prayer with you right now. So can I invite you to take a moment and bow your heads and close your eyes. And wherever you are, whether you're in a watch party or at home by yourself, if this is you and you need to make a decision today to start a relationship with God, would you just simply pray this prayer with me? Say, dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me. Thank you for choosing me. Today, I'm making a decision to follow you and let these words be your own. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.